So I want to spend a couple weeks talking about the gospel. And I want, like, like I don't know if you know this, but I, I hope that through sermons and through messages that, that you come here and we open up the word and we talk about Jesus and we talk about the gospel on a weekly basis and we read scriptures together. And I pray, I pray, I pray that when you leave here, it leaves you talking, right? Like, like I think I've failed as a pastor. If you walk out these doors and go, oh, good message, agreed with every part of it, didn't make me think at all, like that just lines up right with how I'm thinking, and, and that was amazing and great. Like, I want you to walk away from our gatherings going, huh, I got to think about that. Like, like, that was a challenging thought, or that was a challenging section of scripture that we read, or I feel like Jesus is doing something inside of me, and that's challenging me, that's throwing me off a little bit, and I need to dig in a prayer, I need to lean into Jesus, I need to lean into reading scripture more. Like, I hope that as we gather here, as we preach, as we meet together, that these would be the springboard for you to go out and learn, to be with Jesus. To open up the scriptures and read. Isn't that a great intro to let's talk about the gospel? I I want to give some thoughts about the gospel. And and I don't even want to maybe give all that many answers. I will eventually. But over the next couple weeks, we've got Baptism Sunday. Like I want to talk about what the gospel is and what it is in our life. In my hope and my prayer is that some things that we talk about might shake you up a little bit. Because some of us need to be shaken, right? Hopefully, for those that are currently shaken, uh, some of it might actually bring some relief or some focus on this is actually the gospel, When I was in college, I, uh, I grew up going to a Lutheran uh, middle school, and I was confirmed, and I went through catechism course and all this stuff, and, and took the test, and I passed it, and I, I got baptized, and, and I knew a lot about God. But I can safely say I made it through all of middle school in all my middle school wisdom not knowing Jesus. And then I went into high school, and high school was a big mess of me trying to figure out life and trying to figure out where I belong and, and fill these places in my life uh, that I was uh, seeking out. And I went through high school, played football, all that stuff, got into uh, doing some extracurricular activities uh, with friends and, and late nights and all that stuff. And, and, and I made my way to college and found my way to a Christian university, which Thank you, Jesus. You didn't have to be a Christian to go there because I would have failed that test. And I remember my freshman year was great. I played football. I was involved. Like, life was going great. And then something happened the summer of my sophomore year. And I'd always kind of had this dull ache. This, This type of feeling of being lost. And through my freshman year and then into sophomore year, that only grew. 
So I found myself in my sophomore year going, man, I just feel lost. I, I, I feel like I'm like aimlessly drifting, that, that I, I don't really have a foundation, and, and I'm trying to like fill my life with these things that, that it's not working. No amount of relationships, no amount of extracurricular activities, no amount of achievement, no amount of anything is really working to, to fill this gap, this space in my life. And that really brought me to the place where I was like, okay, I am going to start looking to Jesus again. And I'll never forget that, that like, it was a prayer that I prayed. Jesus, <laughs> if you're real, show me. That was a prayer, simple prayer. Throughout that time, I got involved with all sorts of conversations. I, I would go to church and, and be checking all these things out. Like, I was exploring. I knew what I had learned back in middle school. And I knew that wasn't enough. So as I was at this place where I was making my faith my own and seeking Jesus. And I'll never forget, I had a few different friends come and preach the gospel to me during that time. And I'll never forget sitting on a park bench on a campus in, in, in Chicago, sitting there, talking to this friend who was sharing the gospel with me. And she was like, you're not a good person. I was like, no, but I think I am. Like, I think I'm okay. I'm not perfect by any means, but I think I treat people okay. I, I think I am generally a decent human being in life. She's like, no, you're a sinner. You're going to go to hell if you don't believe in Jesus right now. How many have heard that gospel? How many have heard that gospel preached to you, maybe? It didn't connect with me. And I don't know if it was a conversation, if it was that person, but, but it just didn't connect with me. I, I left that, that conversation just thinking, well, that just kind of feels irrelevant to me. Like, like I don't feel bad because she said I'm not a good, I, I think I'm still a decent person, but, but I, I kind of get what she's saying, but I don't. And this whole hell thing isn't really connecting with me yet. Like, I don't really get what she's saying there. And it's surely not uh, catapulting me into some decision uh, that I need to make. And so I was exploring who Jesus was. And I, I kept praying, Jesus, if you're real, show me. And there'd be all these conversations, some that are helpful and some that aren't very helpful. I had another friend who said, listen, like his gospel was, you just need to believe in Jesus and the Bible. I said, well, how, how do you know Jesus is real? How do you know the Bible's real? Well, I just know because the Bible says so. Oh, okay. Well, how do I get to that place? You just believe. It, it, there are all these conversations that were just kind of all disconnected and not all that helpful. And then there were other conversations that were actually drawing me closer to Jesus, right? Like my buddy Chris, he kind of walked with me through that whole process of me asking questions, of seeking. And I would be asking him all these questions, and most of the time he didn't have answers for it. 
I asked him, Chris, how do you believe in Jesus? How do you know Jesus is real? And his answer was, I don't know, I just know. And for some reason, I was like, that's the answer I'm looking for, right? And so I want to talk about the gospel, and I want to talk about this place in which all of us find ourselves in at one point in time in this lostness, in this feeling like you're adrift. For some of you, you're in that place right now. For some of you, you've been a Christian for a long time, and this last year is shaking things up, and so you're in this place where you're just kind of lost. For others, you have no clue who Jesus is. You don't know why you're here. You, you just were invited by a friend, and so you showed up, and you feel this overwhelming sense of being lost in life. For some of you, you've been a Christian for a long time and you're in a pretty good place with Jesus and all that. And you maybe need to remember back to what it feels like to be lost. For some of you after this year, the church has been a thing that's brought you to a lost place in your faith. David Foster Wallace, uh, he was an author, a writer, um, ended up committing suicide, but he said this in uh, talking about a book that he wrote. He is not a Christian, uh, so, but he is an uh, observer of what is happening in our culture as a writer. He said this, there's something particularly sad about it. Something that, that doesn't have very much to do with physical circumstances or the economy or any of the stuff that gets talked about on the news. It's more of this stomach-level sadness. I see it myself, I, I see it my friends, and in different ways it manifests itself in this kind of lostness. The sadness that the book is about that he wrote and that I was going through was a real American type of sadness. I was white, upper, uh, middle class, obscenely well-educated, and had way more career success than I could have legitimately hoped for, and was sort of adrift. A lot of my friends were the same way. Some of them were deeply into drugs. Others were unbelievable workaholics. Some were going to singles bars every night. You could see it play out in 20 different ways, but it's the same thing. It's supposed to stand for a response to the lostness and what you do when the things you thought were going to make you okay don't. I get the feeling that a lot of us, as we enter our 30s, have to find a way to put away childish things and confront stuff about spirituality and values. I think he speaks, puts words to that lostness that we find ourselves in, right? Or that your friends are in right now. Or maybe you're in. This place where we think all these things are going to fill the gaps, fill the voids. But really, they don't. They, they just end up making you more lost. It reminds me of Romans 1. Verse 19, when it says, look, 
uh, by taking a, uh, in the message version, it says this, but basically reality of, God's, of God is plain enough. Open your eyes and there it is. By taking a long and thoughtful look at God, at what he's created, people have always been able to see with what, uh, see what their eyes as such can't see. Eternal power, for instance, and the mystery of this divine being, so nobody has a good excuse. The book of Romans begins with this declaration that God has created everything, and he's put inside of this, of us, this place that can only be filled by him. It's this yearning, it's this longing to be connected with the creator of the world, God, Jesus. It's why when we worship things that have been created, it usually leaves us more empty and lost. And when we worship the creator, we find life to the full. But it's the question for us as Christians, as the church, right? How do those that feel lost find Jesus? We are a church, so we believe Jesus is the answer to that lostness. You go out into the world, you'll find all sorts of things that are the world's answer to that lostness, to that void, As a church, we believe Jesus is the center. Jesus is the source. Jesus is the answer to that void, to that lostness. In the book of Luke, when Jesus meets with Zacchaeus, the tax collector who who is taking advantage of the whole city, the whole city looks at this guy and goes, man, he steals money from us. We hate this guy. And Jesus walks up to him and goes, hey, come down from the tree, Zacchaeus. I want to go hang out of your house. And he goes to Zacchaeus' house. And he, we don't know how long that interaction is, but at the end of it, Zacchaeus is following Jesus and repaying everybody, everything that he took from him. And what is the thing that Jesus said at the end of that story? I have come for the lost. I have come to seek, seek out, and save the lost. There's all these religious rulers around, all these priests and and people who know way too much for their own good. And Jesus, throughout the Gospels, is going, look, they, they think they got it figured out. That's not, net, like, I'm, there, I'm here for them, but I'm not, like, that's not my primary mission. My mission is to seek and save those who are lost in this world. What's God's plan for seeking and saving the lost? Does anybody know? Love? Yeah. Whose job is it to seek 
out the lost and bring the message of Jesus to them. You. Me. I don't like to say the church because sometimes people go, oh, well, if I say the church, then yes, that's the church's job. But if I say the church, then that relieves me of all responsibility of doing anything in my own life. So it's not really like, I know Jesus says, go and make disciples. What he's really saying is church, you as a whole, really pastor, go and make some disciples. And then we'll all celebrate when they come back. No, it's you, it's me. That we are called to go out and make disciples go out and seek the lost and give an answer for where we find hope, for where we find our foundation in Jesus that transforms everything about our lives. Matthew 28, Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. See, there's some times when I think we've, we've kind of forgotten that that's our role as we follow Jesus. Like, that's God's plan. For you and I to follow Jesus, to be transformed by Jesus, and then to go out and spend our lives telling people, showing people who Jesus is. And hopefully in the midst of their lostness, in the midst of their floating aimlessly, being adrift, someone will bump into you. And because they bumped into you and because of what Jesus is doing in their life, they will find a place in Christ, in Jesus. So... I want to just ask a couple questions. What is the gospel in your mind? This is a rhetorical question, but think about it. What is the gospel? Like if, if you had a friend come up to you and they're like, man, I've been feeling lost. Like I've put all, all the eggs in like my job, in my finances. Uh, I've uh, invested in crypto and threw everything in there. And my account's huge right now, but I, I really just feel lost. Or, or like I've spent a lot of time cultivating this perfect image on social media and I get so many likes and so many shares and everybody likes everything that I have and I'm so popular but there's still this underlying angst this underlying lostness what would you answer to them what is the gospel what is the gospel And then the next question is, why don't we share it very often? 
what is the gospel? See, there's a lot of different gospels in our lives that we encounter. The gospel is the good news that saves you. The world has a lot of different gospels that it wants you to subscribe to and buy into. The church has a lot of different gospels that it wants you to buy into and subscribe to. There's a lot of different gospels. There's the upwards mobility gospel, which everything is up to the right if you're growing, if you have all the things, if you have the house, the car, the family, the relationships, the bank account, the job, that all will save you. There's the political identity gospel in which if you belong to a certain political party or a set of certain ideologies politically, that is going to save you if you paid attention, not even closely in this last year and a half, you saw people from all sides basically saying, if you believe in this, this party will save you. There's a whole gospel surrounded around sexual identity in arriving to who you truly are. There's a prosperity gospel that says, if you just believe in Jesus, you're gonna have all the things, you're gonna have all the money, you're never gonna get sick, it's gonna be awesome. Come join the ride. There's a social gospel. There's a get your ticket to heaven and you'll be saved from hell gospel. If you pay attention to the world, and even in the church, there are a lot of gospels that are presented to us. A lot of gospels that people think are the good news and the answer. And then there's the question of why don't we actually, like, if we believe this good news... If we believe this gospel, why don't we actually share it? I mean, there's a part that's, that's really complicated, right? Like, well, I don't want to be a crazy person on the corner with a bullhorn yelling at people. Don't do that, okay? If, you, or if you're thinking about it, come talk to me. I'll talk you out of it, all right? But, but there's a lot of ways that like, we don't want to be perceived in a certain way. We don't want to be awkward around our friends or on our coworkers. And the first thing that we have to remember is everybody is experiencing this lostness and adrift. And so if you have the conversation in, in good ways, you'll only be tapping into the experience that all of us feel and are going through. Why else aren't, aren't we all that excited? Like, like, I'll see guys, right? What happens on a usual Sunday morning or what happens after a big game? We'll just put it that way. That way you can put it whatever team you want to put in there. What happens after a big game? What happens on social media? Like, Bucks win the championship. What did you see the, that whole night? Bucks win, yeah, Bucks win, Bucks win, Bucks win. I can't believe it. I win this my whole life. Bucks win. In the office the next day, Bucks win. Did you see that game? That was amazing. They finally did it. They finally won. Oh, did you go celebrate? Oh, that would have been amazing to be there. 
Packers game. Right? Whatever team is the team of your choice. Everyone's talking about it. When your team wins, you're telling everybody. You're wearing clothes that show your representation. Like, Like you are out there on social media. You're out there in your job. Hey, did you see the game last night? Did you see the game yesterday? It was amazing. We know what it means to tell somebody good news. Someone gets sick. The diagnosis isn't favorable. They are at some point healed. What do they do? World! I don't have cancer anymore! World! I've been healed! World! I made it through! This is amazing! This is phenomenal! You get a a raise in a job. Hey, guess what? I got a raise. This is incredible. Or you got that job you've been waiting for. We know what it means to tell people good news in our life, and we should. But why does that often stop short when we are talking about the gospel and about Jesus? Maybe we've gotten too complacent. Maybe we haven't experienced the power and freedom in the gospel. We ourselves, we haven't experienced the transforming Jesus in our lives. Or maybe we're just consumed with the day-to-day. The job, the home, the friends, the kids. We don't even have a a moment to even think about what it would mean to tell somebody the good news, to walk into work. And instead of complaining, be like, hey, I got some good news for you. Like, this job is terrible. It's raining outside for a week. My basement is flooded. But guess what? Jesus is king. That's the good news. If you do that tomorrow at work, tell me. I would love, I would love to like capture that on video and watch your coworker's expression. <laughs> I'd love it. But how would you answer that question? What is the gospel to you? If a friend was struggling, what would you tell them is the gospel? I think I want to press us on this a little bit because we have all sorts of definitions of what the gospel is. Our world has all sorts of definitions of what the gospel is. And the question is, what is the gospel? I want to encourage us and really like encourage us to ask the question, what is the gospel that Jesus preached. Uh, Scott McKnight, uh, one of the things I'm reading for the uh, sermon series is a book um, called King Jesus by Scott McKnight. Amazing book. And in the book, he asks the question, what is the gospel? Where do we get it from? And then he, he continues down that path and he, his constant question is, what is the gospel that Jesus preached? And he, he had something that is, that is 
I mean, it's kind of like everyone knows this, but we don't know it at the same time. The Gospels, does anybody know what the Gospels are in Scripture? It's the first four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those are the Gospels. It's four different views on Jesus' life. Four different observations about the activities in Jesus' life. But all of them talk about Jesus. All of them talk about his life. All of them talk about the cross and resurrection and what the gospel is. And so he makes a statement that is, I mean, pretty plain, but pretty profound if you think about it. He says, the gospels are the gospel. The gospels are the gospel. So it's not this one little section. It's not this one sentence that Jesus, like, it's not, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's part of the gospel, but the gospels are the gospel. Jesus, when he begins his ministry, Matthew 4, 17, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then he went on to call his disciples and say, hey, come, follow me. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus got up and he announces his ministry. And the way he announces his ministry is he grabs the scroll of Isaiah in the temple In the sanctuary, he grabs the scroll and opens up and reads, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free to proclaim the Lord's favor. In John, we have Jesus not making a declaration about his own ministry. But we have John saying the word has become flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And then Mark 1.15, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news. Preaching the good news. Time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in this good news. Worship team will come up and I'll finish up here. But Jesus, as he's declaring who he is, as he's declaring his mission, his purpose, for why he is here, He's doing a few different things, right? He's saying, look, I am a fulfillment of the Old Testament of the scriptures. It is fulfilled in me. And I am ushering in this new way of living, this new life that you all are invited into that will transform you. And 
See, it starts with God's story. You and I are invited into that. You and I are invited to be transformed by that story, through that story, in that story. And then you and I get to go out and share the good news. The kingdom is near. The kingdom is here. Repent and find a full life in Jesus. The next steps, what I want to encourage you to do in this intro of what is the gospel. Go this week and read one of the gospels. Pick Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Read it this week. And start to observe what is the gospel that Jesus lived out for us. The whole gospel. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the answer to our lostness. In your name we pray. Amen.